Hey, before we, uh, before we go any further, could we just give a, a big hand to all those who uh, helped make Revive Conference happen today? You know, it takes a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of coordination and communication, and I'm just so proud of our team, and I just want to make sure that I thank them publicly, because I'll definitely do it to their face uh, later this, uh, this upcoming week. But thank you so much for being here. And I also want to thank Pastor George Durling. How about session one, huh? Wasn't that, wasn't that awesome? I, I really hope my wife was listening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, You know, uh, as Pastor George said, he serves at First Baptist Church McKaysville, a great church in our community, a church that we love. They do so many wonderful things for our community and and, uh, for the kingdom of God. And and, uh, I know several of them are here with us today, and we want to just welcome you and, you know, so glad that you're here with us today. It means the world that you're here with us. And thank you for letting us borrow George uh, for just a, a little while today. George, what a, what a great job you did. And, and he and I, recently, the, the Ridge um, launched a, a brand new podcast. It's called The Ridgecast. And it's just an opportunity for us to talk about issues that we always don't, we don't always get an opportunity to talk about on Sunday morning or go deeper into some issues that we do talk about on Sunday morning. And so uh, George and I had the opportunity to record a recent episode together uh, dealing with marriage. And so that's going to be uh, launched pretty soon. And so wherever you listen to podcasts, you can go and you can subscribe to the Ridgecast and you can listen. There's already a, one episode. You can, this will be the second one coming up and you can listen to that just kind of as a follow-up to some of the things that we talked about uh, here uh, at Revive. And, and maybe that'll help stimulate some conversation with you and your spouse. All right, session two. The topic that we're focusing on in this session is a topic that impacts every single marriage. It impacts every single relationship that we're in, but in marriage, it seems to be especially challenging. And the topic that I'm talking about today is effective communication in marriage. Anybody here have any trouble communicating with your husband or wife? I mean, you say one thing, but they hear something completely different. Okay, just about everybody in the room. Right, I'm with you. Okay, good. We're on the same page. Uh, recently, there was a uh, Census Bureau that, uh, survey that came out, and it rated or listed the top three reasons for divorce across America, and these are the three. Uh, incompatibility was one, infidelity, two, and financial issues Three, and those things kind of fluctuate and go back and forth and up and down. But I just wonder if really at all three of these issues, if the root cause really is lack of communication or, or, or failure in communication. And what I mean by that, could, could incompatibility issues, could they really uh, be resolved if a husband and wife really understood how to sit down with one another and communicate about their differences and communicate about their struggles? Would the instances of infidelity go away if a married couple truly communicated about their emotions and their desires and they communicated about accountability? Could couples really find financial freedom if they were able to sit down and communicate their financial struggles or, or their goals or maybe even attack debt or learn to save and learn to give? I just wonder if at the heart, at the root of all these issues that lead couples to divorce, if communication is really the primary cause or lack of communication. The reason that so many married couples have difficulty communicating with one another is because communication is difficult. 
Bernard Shaw said this, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. All right, how many of you can relate to that? There's things, sometimes my wife will say things to me and then I'll reply and I think we've communicated and we couldn't be further away from one another. Like we're on different planets communicating. And I wanna give you a, a real life example of this uh, from my own marriage. Um, when I get up in the morning and I get ready to go to work, I usually have a few minutes to sit down and watch the morning news. Now, I don't watch too much of it because it'll drive you crazy, right? But, but I do like to catch the, the, the headlines, maybe the weather, that sort of thing. And so I will sit for a few minutes and I'll watch the news before I, I go to work. Now, my wife, when she gets up, she doesn't sit. She never sits. She is a doer and a goer. She hustles all the time. So before she leaves for work, she's usually doing some laundry or she's prepping for dinner that night or she's cleaning something. And so this happens just about every morning before we leave. And often this little scenario will play out as she's buzzing around the house. She'll say, hey, Chan, would you put some of those dirty plates in the dishwasher so we can run it tonight? And before she gets out of earshot, I'll say something back like, sure, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> now, what I heard my wife say was, hey, before I know you're watching the news right now. Before you go to work, sometime between now and when you go to work, would you just go to the kitchen and put those dishes in the dishwasher? And my reply was like, sure. I, I would love to do that. That's not unreasonable. Yeah, before I leave, I'll do that. But the problem is two minutes later, as I'm watching the news still, I hear those dirty plates clanging around, <laughs> making their way to the dishwasher. And so I walk into the kitchen and, I, honey, I thought you wanted me to put those dishes in the dishwasher. Well, I did. That's why I asked you. Did you want me to do it right now? Because you didn't say right now. You just said, would you do it? I, and, and, and I told you I would do it, or I didn't say it, but I meant it. I will do it at the next commercial break. And she says, it doesn't matter now, because it's done. I took care of it. So you can relate. You can relate. She doesn't say it like that. But... The, the, the issue's still the same. We still think we're communicating, and we're really not. Communication is difficult. It's really difficult. But you know what? The Bible has a lot to say. It teaches a lot about communication. As a matter of fact, our God is a God who communicates. He, he's the creator and designer of all things, and he communicates to do that. Think about all the way back to creation, he said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be separation between the water and the land, and there was. He said, Let's, let there be plants and trees and living creatures of all kinds. And finally, he said, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. So from the beginning, our God has been a communicator God, and he still communicates with us today. He speaks in a variety of ways. He speaks through nature. If you've ever spent time in the great outdoors, a time where you can see the splendor and the glory of God and his creation, this is supposed to happen over here if you're wondering what's going on. <laughs> We're good. I see some of you about to spring into action. It's good. 
We're good. We're good. It's all part of what we're doing here, okay? Hang with me right here. Our God, our God communicates. He communicated it from creation, and he still communicates with us today, revealing to us his glory, speaking through his Holy Spirit and speaking to us through his holy word, literally the word of God. Our God is a communicator. He still speaks to us today. And because we've been made in his image, and because we've been made in his likeness, we too are communicators, except we need a lot of help at it. We need a lot of help. And so that's why I brought this in today. (laughs) Not what you were expecting, right? Not what you were expecting. But this has become a great tool for Amber and I to understand how to better communicate with one another. And I don't know if you have one of these, but this can be a great tool for you to learn how to communicate as well. This is the Pelican 136T kayak. And that T stands for trouble, because that's what you're gonna have if you get into this with your wife or your husband. You're gonna have trouble. And I got some great stories to tell today, and a bunch I'm not going to tell today, but that's what's going to happen. We bought this a few years ago when Amber and I were trying to decide, think about some great activities that we could enjoy together and with our kids. And so we decided that kayaking would be one of those great activities. And so we bought uh, some kayaks for our kids first, so they each had one. And then we had this great idea (laughs) that our next one would be a tandem kayak, a two-seater because it's like two kayaks in one, right? <laughs> and we had, a, we had a great visions about this, that we were gonna take some long floats down the river, warm afternoons, talking to each other about our dreams, probably eating raspberries or something like that. <laughs> and so I did some research and I found this guy online, he was on sale, I drove down to the store, picked it up, brought it back home and, and we were ready. We were, we were ready to, to launch out. Uh, and, and what we found out was uh, our adventures weren't quite what we thought they were going to be, and we found out that we really have some trouble communicating with one another. <laughs> so if you've ever been kayaking, you know anything about a kayak, it doesn't take a whole lot to really navigate one of these things, but there is some important principles that you need to know uh, if you're going to try to kayak in a, down a river or, or a lake. And so what I want to do today, I want to compare some principles for kayaking with some biblical principles of communication, particularly in marriage. And these things are gonna be something that you can kind of take away, you write these down, go home tonight, talk about these. Hey, how are we doing on these things? How are we navigating this marriage? And so the first one, the first principle is this, if you're taking notes, learn to paddle together. Learn to paddle together. That's the, that's the, the kayaking principle. The biblical principle is be in unison. Or if you want to write this down, be one. Be one with one another. The most effective way of paddling a tandem kayak is to do it together as one, in unison with one another. When two people work as one in a kayak like this, it actually gives the kayak more momentum. It propels it forward. It actually gives it more uh, more power. And when, when two people are in a kayak like this and they're in unison, they're not hitting each other. They're not getting their paddles all caught up with one another and they're not soaking each other. Now, my wife likes this move. She usually sits up in the front and when she gets frustrated with me, she take her paddle and sm- sm- smash the water where I get a face full of river water right in my face. 
That's not in unison, okay? <laughs> that's, not, that's not being one. Sometimes I bark out orders, what are you doing? I'm, and then I get water in my face. She reminds me that she's really in control of there. That's not working as one, okay? But when two people are in unison, when they're truly one, man, together, this can be an awesome adventure. And that's the same way with marriage. Being one, being in unison. Mark chapter 10, verses seven and eight says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but now in marriage, they are one, one flesh. When a husband and wife become one flesh, it means that they are, they are supernaturally interlocked with one another, physically, emotionally, spiritually, literally braided together with one another and with God. And I want you to think about this. When God created man in the Garden of Eden, he took one person, Adam, and from one person made two. But now in marriage, God takes two people and he makes them one, one flesh. And the truth is, you, you can't be one with your spouse if you're gonna try to be one with anything else. You can't be one with your spouse and be one with your career or one with your children or one with your best friends or, or one with an old boyfriend or girlfriend. You can't be one in your, with your spouse if you're also gonna be one with alcohol or one with drugs or one with pornography. You cannot be one with your spouse if you're also gonna try to be one with anything or anyone else. It will never work. When Amber and I go kayaking, we usually enjoy floating down the Tacoa River. We just, it's just a beautiful trip from start to finish, and we love it. But it is a river, and so there are rocks in the river. And I can't tell you how many times we've been floating. Uh, you know, maybe we've been in the river now a couple hours, three hours, and we're just kind of relaxed. You know, we're just kind of letting the current carry us. We're just kind of coasting, not really paying attention to what's around us, just staring up at the sky, I guess, eating raspberries or whatever. And, and all of a sudden... Because Amber's in the front, she'll say something like, rock! <laughs> and I'm back here, so I'm like, what, what, where? where? Where's the rock? And she says, rock! And I'm like, well, where is it? Where is the rock? And she says, there. And I said, I can't see from back here. Where's the rock? Right, left. And then all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> we, we crash into the rock. Poor communication, right? <laughs> The same thing happens in our marriage. There are times when, when we go through the motions in our marriage. Some of you are going through the motions in your marriage. You're not really paying attention to one another. You're kind of just on cruise control and you're just coasting. And when that happens, when a crisis comes, all of a sudden it's boom, an affair, a cancer diagnosis, a financial crisis, and a crisis demands immediate communication, precise communication, effective communication. But that can't happen because the husband and the wife are not one. They're not in unison with one another. And so the marriage takes a serious hit because communication has failed. And statistics tell us that divorce almost always follows a major crisis in a marriage. The numbers are way too high. 
We must stay as one. Do you know what happens when two people in a kayak paddle on the same side? Same side in the front, same side in the back? Go in circles, round and around and around. Some of you, your marriage has been going in circles because you're not truly one. You're divided. You're divided by different desires, a different vision for your marriage, different goals, or you're divided by past hurts or disappointments. Some of you are not spiritually yoked together as one. And so you're not pursuing Christ together. You're not worshiping together. You're not praying together. You're just on different pages spiritually. And your marriage is just going in circles. And the longer your marriage goes in circles, the more difficult communication becomes. The key is learning to paddle together. to, to, To move your marriage forward, to do whatever it takes to get in unison so that your marriage is moving forward, not going in circles anymore. Move forward in Christ. That's what it means to become one and to remain one. I want to read to you an Old Testament passage from Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. It says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. In other words, when God put you together as husband and wife, he put you together as one. And he put his spirit inside of you both. And there are things that will try to come between your marriage. There will be things that come and try to rip apart what was meant to be one. Those things must be removed at all costs. They must be, they must be rebuked and removed. And some of you, you just need to learn again to paddle together and what it means to be one in marriage, just as God created you to be. So that's the first one. Here's the second principle. Navigate in the front, strengthen the back. Okay, that's a, that's a kayaking principle. The biblical principle for marriage is to know your role, to understand what your role is in marriage. Now, typically in a tandem kayak, you want the, you want the stronger paddler in the back. That's always me. All right, I'm always the strong one. You want the smart one in the front. <laughs> the weaker paddler you put in the front, but the responsibility for the front, the, the one who rides in the front is to navigate, to, to look out, to be the one that sees what's coming and then communicate that back. And if that works, man, and it works beautifully, you, you're gonna have a good time on the river. That, that trouble that, that we were talking about, you won't have to experience that. But here's my point. Each person is equal in value, but they're different in their roles in a tandem kayak. If I try to paddle this thing all by myself and I'm up here in the front and I'm all alone, you know, I might be able to see in front of me. I might be able to see the rocks coming and I know what's ahead of me. But, but if I need to try to slow down or turn this thing quickly, I'm gonna have a lot of trouble in this by myself up front. In the same way, if I'm in the back, I might be able to propel it forward. I might be able to get some good speed, but I'm not going to really be able to see that well where I'm going. And so we have to have both the person in the front and the person in the back. We have to have equal value, but different roles. One of the biggest problems 
in communication between a husband and a wife is the simple fact that men are men and women are women. You know what I'm talking about? We're not the same when it comes to communication. Think about it. When girls grow up, they grow up with other girls. And typically they learn to share their feelings, their emotions, their passions. Often when a, a lady communicates, it's, it's about expression. But guys, when we communicate, it's about something different. It's usually about fixing something or it's about a solution or, or it's about solving a problem. That's why, uh, ladies, your husband is always trying to fix your problems, right? Like the video that we saw, and you don't want him to fix your problems. You're just trying to express your emotions. You're expressing your feeling. You really just need your husband to listen. So see, we're not the same, even in our communication. And have you ever wondered why God made men and women so different, especially when it comes to communication? The truth is, our God knew exactly what he was doing. When he created men and women, he knew that they were going to be different. And he knew those differences were going to lead to some conflict along the way. And so he gave us some instructions in his word to help us navigate that communication gap. Passages like this in 1 Peter 3, 7, that says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. In this passage, Peter calls the wife the weaker partner or the weaker vessel. And sure, it means that she is physically weaker, but it also means that she is more precious. She is the more delicate vessel. And for this reason, Paul commands husbands not to be harsh with their wives, but rather be understanding, be gentle, be considerate. And though Peter's only speaking to husbands in this passage, the opposite is true, that wives must also honor and respect her husband. There must be mutual love, mutual understanding, mutual submission. But the husband and the wife, they were created equally in the image of God, but they were created differently in their emotions, in their biology, and in their role as husband and wife. And when we understand the God-given roles that we were given to play in marriage, it helps narrow the communication gap. In kayaking, it's navigation in the front, strength in the back. When it comes to marriage, it's beauty, affection, expression. The woman is in the forefront of the marriage. But in the back, it's strength, fortitude, and the spiritual leadership of the man. Equal in value, different in roles, and one without the other one is needing something more. So a husband, he must know his biblical role. And the Bible is very clear. Pastor George touched on some of that in the earlier session. What's your role as a spiritual leader of your home and your marriage? A wife must know her biblical role. And together, their marriage can become a gift and it can become a blessing to them and to others. And that's what George was talking about. That's when a marriage becomes a witness to the world for the glory of Jesus Christ and for his gospel. Know your role. Know how God has gifted you. Know how God has equipped you to be a godly husband that your wife needs, to be a godly wife that your husband needs. 
and we understand that, then our marriage can become a witness to the world. And so when a husband and a wife are one, and when they're able to operate in the roles that God created for them, communication opens up. Here's the next one, real simple. It's gonna blow your mind. Stay in the boat. (laughs) That's the kayaking principle. Hey, stay in the boat. The biblical principle is remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Last summer, Amber and I decided to to take our kids and us, and we were gonna take a trip down the Tekoa River and That particular day, the river was kind of high and the water was moving particularly fast. And it was, but it was a hot afternoon. And so our boys were, they kept asking, hey, can we get out of our kayak? Can we get in the river? We want to swim. We want to cool off. And we just didn't feel good about it because the river was moving so quick and it was, and it was deeper than normal. And so we kept saying, no, it's not a good idea. Just stay in your boat. Stay in your boat for now. Well, since they couldn't jump out of their boat, they began playing bumper boats with each other. As we were going down the river, they were crashing into each other, you know, and eventually my youngest son hit my oldest son's kayak so hard that it flipped him over. And because the water was moving so fast, it threw my oldest son right out of his kayak. And he went one way and his kayak went the other way. And there was no way that they could, that he could get back to his kayak. The water was too powerful. It was too deep. He couldn't even touch the bottom where he was. And so the only thing he could do was swim to me and Amber in this boat and hang on to the side. And the water was cold. He, 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 he had lost some things in the water and, and, and he was kind of exhausted from that whole experience. And so all of a sudden that, that thing that seemed so fun and seemed so adventurous to get out into the water, it wasn't fun anymore. It was actually a little bit scary for a moment. And because the water was moving so fast, we couldn't even get out of the river onto the bank for a long, long time. So he had to ride clutched on, bare, you know, white knuckle hanging onto our kayak until we could finally find a place to pull off. Some of you are here today, and no one knows this, but you've been thinking about getting out of the boat. You've been thinking about getting out of this marriage. Because for whatever reason, it's not, it's not fulfilling anymore. It's not life-giving anymore. It's not fun. And when you're in that marriage, you look beyond the boat. And what, what you see out there is something that you think would be so much better, a lot more fun, a lot more adventurous, a lot more fulfilling. But we have to remember that we have an enemy called the great deceiver. And that's his job, to make something that we shouldn't desire look so desirable. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you from the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, that speaks to this in an indirect way. But I want you to listen to the words. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But look at this. But in the end, she is as bitter, as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. You see, far too often the life that we think we want, the life beyond our marriage, the life beyond the life that we have with our spouse is a life that we think would be sweet, a life that we think would be fulfilling, 
in a life that we think would be adventurous. That's what I need. But that life is bitter poison because it takes you out of the boat. It takes you out of the marriage. It takes you out of the place where you were created to be. And once you're out, you get caught up in the current of this world. You get caught up in the current of sin. And and it's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to recover. And I want you to remember that, that image of my son clutched to the side of that kayak. And there's nothing he can do but hold on. He can't get in our boat. He can't get in his boat. He can't touch the bottom. He's lost a lot of things that are just gone now. They're out in the river. He can't get back to where he was. He's not where he used to be. And he's not where he's supposed to be. He's caught. He's caught in the middle. And he's scared. And in that moment, he didn't say it. But I'm sure he was thinking, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Man, so many times when we jump ship, when we jump out of our marriage, there's so much collateral damage and it's so difficult. We look back and like, this is is not what I thought it was going to be. Because that's not God's will for you. It's not God's will for your marriage. That's why we must remain in the boat. That's, and really what I'm saying is remain in Christ. We must remain in Christ because in Christ, that's where our marriage can heal. In Christ is where we can find this oneness that I'm talking about. In Christ is where a marriage can become stronger. It's where we can experience revival when we are in Christ. As a matter of fact, when we are apart from Christ, we'll never experience revival. It's only when we are in Christ that we can be revived. And then as George said earlier, not just be revived, but have a marriage that thrives. I mean, nobody wants a marriage where we're just surviving day by day. Who wants that? We want a marriage that's thriving. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens when we remain in Christ. And you may be saying, Chan, it's easy for you to say, you don't know what I've been through in my marriage. You, you don't know how dead it is, how dry it is, how far we've drifted apart from one another and from Christ. We're not only not communicating, Chan, we're not even talking these days. And I understand. I know that can be a very difficult place to be. And I don't want to oversimplify what you may be experiencing in your marriage, but as I was preparing for this conference, there was a verse that I came to, and I mean, to me, that verse just, it really just helped me understand the, the posture that I need to take in order to help bring revival to my marriage. And, and you have it. It's on the bookmark that you received today. When you came in, you received a, a little white bag, and in that bag is a bookmark just like this. And on the back is the scripture that I'm referencing right now. And I'm gonna read it from the bookmark. It's different on the screen, but I wanna read it on the bookmark because that's what you have. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It's that agape love that George was talking about. That love that makes a decision that this is the way it's going to be until death do us part. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, the spirit that God put in you both in the bond of peace.
No marriage is perfect. There's no husband that's perfect. There's no wife that's perfect. There's always gonna be faults. There's always gonna be imperfections. There's always gonna be times where it seems like just the easiest thing to do would just be to get out of the boat, just to get out of the marriage, to end it. But Jesus is telling us today, don't do that. Be humble. Humble means to think of the other more than you consider yourself. That's what humble means. Can you do that in your marriage? It also says to be gentle. That means don't be harsh. Don't be rude. Don't be disrespectful. Be patient with one another. Not a word that we like in our culture, to be patient. But it means to be understanding. And I love, I love this last, last part, to make allowances, bearing with one another. That means make room for imperfections. Do you make room for imperfections in your marriage? Do you make room for faults? We're gonna end this session and end this conference in just a few minutes, but the worship team is gonna lead us in a closing song. And, and that's gonna be an opportunity for you and your spouse to respond to what you've heard today. Maybe there's something that you need to work on. Maybe, maybe you realize that you, you haven't become one or you haven't been one in a long time. That you've been paddling in circles and you've not been paddling together. And today, maybe it's just you and your spouse making a commitment to paddle forward in Christ, to move forward in Christ, believing for better days. Or maybe today, it's just about remembering and understanding your biblical role as a godly husband created to be strong and to be honorable and to honor and love your wife as Christ loved the church and was willing to give up his life for her. Or maybe it's to really understand your role as a godly wife created to be faithful and loving toward her husband. Or maybe it's this verse we just read, maybe your marriage could use a little more humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, making allowance for imperfections. So today we just wanna give you the opportunity as we close to respond. However, the Holy Spirit's leading. You're, this altar is open. We believe in the power of prayer here, amen? We believe prayer can break through anything. And so if you wanna pray with your spouse, it's perfectly perfect to do that today. You can do that here at the altar. You can do that at your seat. It doesn't matter. There's however the Lord is leading you. If there's something that you need to commit to with one another, we'd love to see you make that commitment today with your spouse before God. If you need to talk with someone, I'm gonna be available. Pastor George will be available. If you want us to pray with you as, uh, as a married couple or however we need to, to minister to you, that's what we wanna do but we just want to give this time to the Lord. We just want to get, maybe you showed up here and this was kind of a last ditch effort to make this marriage work. Now's the time to be serious about it and to respond in the way the Holy Spirit is leading you. So if you will, go ahead and stand to your feet and let me pray over you. Dear Heavenly Father, we give this time to you right now. 
Father, we ask you to bless it by speaking to our hearts very clearly. You are a communicating God. And Father, as those who are created in your image, we are communicators as well. And so, Father, we just open up our hearts right now and we listen. We listen to how you guide us and direct us. Father, I pray that you would remove any hindrance right now for us to come into your presence, seeking your face. Take this time in Jesus Christ's name.